Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Obviously, the Jets know something that, you know, the people up here don't. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com, joined, as always, by my co-host, Dalvin Asario. Dalvin, how you doing tonight? Doing good, Joe. Doing good. The Mavs drafted Dennis Smith. The Knicks did not trade Chris Porzingis, so I, I think I think we both got what we wanted last week. Um, weather's going good. Fourth of July coming up, so happy to be back on the podcast. Absolutely. Listen, uh, the Knicks leaving the night with Porzingis sadly had to be taken as a big victory. I don't want to say anything about their draft pick because I don't know anything about him yet. I'm going to try to stay optimistic because they've drafted well overseas before, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, for tonight's uh, podcast, we're going to break down uh, the show into three different segments. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the different revisionist history takes we've been taking on the team uh, in the past few days. Got a lot of great responses on Twitter on this. Basically, uh, what are one or two things you might have done differently if you were Mike McCagnan over the past few years? Uh, second segment, we're going to look at the AFC, sort of give our, our power rankings as of now heading into the summer and how we see the different tiers of team breaking down. And then we'll wrap with talking about the Jets uh, and how they fit sort of into fantasy football value. Who, ha- who has value on their team from a fantasy perspective? And what are some statistics we're potentially anticipating from some of the different receivers, uh, running backs, quarterbacks, and tight ends uh, on their roster in 2017? Uh, ignore that fire alarm in the background there. Uh, sometimes that happens here at the WeWork buildings in New York City. So we're going to work through those three segments before we dive into it. want to remind you guys the podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official team partner and sponsor of the New York Jets. Make sure to check out primesport.com backslash turn the Jets to learn more about some of their different fan experience and travel packages for away games in 2017. Again, that's primesport.com backslash turn the Jets. And make sure to follow them on Twitter and Facebook at primesport. So, you know, I tweeted this question out Sunday night. Basically, if you could do one thing differently, if you were Mike McCagnin over the past couple of years, what, what would it be? And I wrote an article on it. We had a TOJ roundtable on it. Unanimously, not unanimously, but I would say the most popular response was definitely not pay Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, there was also a myriad of other responses, which is somewhat troubling uh, if you're Mike McCagnin. When I first framed that question, what was your initial thought and response to it, Dalvin, beyond paying Fitzpatrick last year? Well, it's funny. Well, when you first posted it, I thought you're right. I think my uh, my automatic my head went immediately to Ryan Fitzpatrick's contract because it bothered me so much. But then I started to really think about just how 
how we look at McCagnon's whole tenure here so far, now three drafts in, and it was actually David Aiken who had posed the question, is it acceptable that we are now in year three of the McCagnon and Bowles era and that a tanking season is now acceptable in year three? And so that, that I think, ties itself really well to the question about what moves you'd regret from that McCagnon has made. For me, I, I hated the fact that they passed on Paxton Lynch. I think Paxton Lynch is going to be a good quarterback in this league. I think he's going to be a good starting quarterback in this league. And I think taking an undersized athletic linebacker who, again, I firmly believe made a lot of his plays based solely off of his athleticism. So you pass on the quarterback and... That's compounded by the fact that you took Christian Hackenberg in round two. So if it sounds like it's all quarterback related for me, it is because I do not trust Mike McCagnin when it comes to quarterbacks. I, I did not like the Bryce Petty pick. I did not like the Christian Hackenberg pick. I did not like passing on Paxton Lynch. And even though I love Jamal Adams and he's the he's the non the top non quarterback player. He was actually the top player on my board on my top 100. But the Jets, once again, had a chance to take a quarterback, and they passed on Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. So for me, I think McCagnin's tenure here is going to be judged ultimately by his quarterback moves. And I think that there's some moves like taking Leo Williams over Vic Beasley. I understood it at the time because I thought that it meant that they were going to move on from Wilkerson or Richardson. You haven't done that, so it makes the move in hindsight look really bad. But I remember draft night. We were at the draft party, and I— Again, because they took the best player on my board and they took the, the top player in that draft class. So I understood it because I thought it would lead to another move, them moving Wilkerson. They didn't do that. So I think McCagnin, again, I think passing on Paxton Lynch, not trading Wilkerson or Richardson, it's a lot of things that he should have done that he didn't do. And I think that's where my frustration with a lot of McCagnin's moves come from because even like he gave himself all those outs with the secondary signings with Revis and Cromartie, but it's almost like he he's he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't prepare well for the for the decline that's going to come or he doesn't prepare well for these moves that are obviously not going to work out like Revis signing Revis in a nutshell was a solid move for that one year but he was already declining in New England and in in Tampa Bay he he wasn't the Revis of old he was still pretty solid but he wasn't the Revis of old um, but I, yeah I think it just comes down to the quarterbacks I think passing on Paxton Lynch passing on Deshaun Watson passing on Patrick Mahomes and trading up for Bryce Petty and reaching for Christian Hackenberg I think those are the moves that are going to end up dooming McCagnin if he does not if if Hackenberg doesn't pan out yeah, uh, I, you know, I think if we go beyond Fitzpatrick, and I, I always like to kick up the occasional Vic Beasley, Leonard Williams debate on Twitter just because it, it never gets a shortage <laughs> of responses. And again, I will very concisely state that both are great players, and I think Leonard Williams has been great through two years, but an edge rusher who could get 15-plus sacks in a season and force six fumbles, six turnovers, and who has eight turnovers forced through two years has more overall value uh, than an interior defensive lineman, particularly when you already have two very good interior defensive linemen on your team. And I, I just think Jet fans are getting a little out over their skis and saying Leonard Williams is a generational talent when I've seen since 2011 Muhammad Wilkerson have a very similar first two years and then Sheldon Richardson uh, in 2013 have a very similar first two years. So Leonard Williams is great. I think he's going to be a Pro Bowl and probably eventually an All-Pro player. It is not crazy at all to think that the Jets would have a better overall defense with Sheldon Richardson and Muhammad Wilkerson starting at defensive end and Vic Beasley as a pass rusher and outside linebacker. 
than having Leonard Williams, Muhammad Wilkerson, and Sheldon Richardson all rotating through at defensive end and Lorenzo Malden and Jordan Jenkins playing outside linebacker. That's the only point I'm making. It's not meant to be critical of Leonard Williams. But I think more big picture uh, on McCagnon's decision-making, I think it's just uh, sort of a general neglect of the premium positions or how he's approached the premium positions. And when I talk about that, I'm focusing on quarterback, shutdown corner, you know, cornerback, uh, pass rusher, and, and the tackle position. And if you look at what they've done at quarterback, they've thrown a lot of money, too much money, at journeyman in Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh McCown. And they've taken two mid-round flyers on unpopular picks who I think in both cases were overdrafted. Obviously, that remains to be seen whether that's true or not. But I, you know, I would have preferred a shot on Brent Huntley or Dak Prescott. I did say it before the draft. I'm not saying I you thought did. Prescott. You did. I'm not saying Pres- <laughs> I thought Prescott would be this good this fast, but those would have been the type of guys I would have rather, rather seen them take a mid-round shot on rather than Petty or Hackenberg. A tackle, uh, you trade a fifth-round pick for an injury-prone Ryan Clady. Uh, you're taking a free agent flyer on Kelvin Beecham, who spent a lot of time hurt last year, and then you spend a fourth-round pick on Brandon Shell. So really no premium investments there. At pass rusher, it's been a pair of third-round picks in Lorenzo Malden and Jordan Jenkins. And at corner, you spent a ton of money on Cromartie and Revis, uh, in the back end of their career, and they both gave you one decent season, barely, uh, before you had to move mm-hmm. on from them. Buster Screen has been okay when healthy, and then no focus on cornerback in the draft, really. This was a cornerback-loaded draft. The Jets waited until the sixth round uh, to take a pair of them, and both definitely project guys and Jeremy Clark and Derek Jones, and they took Justin Burris in the fourth round the year before that. So when you look at how the Jets have concentrated their picks at the top of the draft, you go defensive end, wide receiver, um, inside linebacker, quarterback, safety, safety. Uh, Not exactly all premium positions getting premium investments. And I think that has had an impact on the roster. And a lot of people look for an out on criticism of McCagnin by saying, yeah, he signed all these guys, but he only signed them to two-year contracts. Well, how how are you building... A culture. How are you building a winning culture if you're just signing veterans uh, for two-year contracts, knowing that they're going to flame out after about a year, a year and a half? It's not really team building, and that's a problem with the competitive rebuild model. So I think th- those are sort of the decisions that I look to uh, that are problematic. Any any final thoughts, Dalvin, before we move on to talking about the AFC at large as a conference? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, and again, I don't want it to, because I, I get these messages all the time about about you, Joe, and like just, uh, and not messages, but like people tweeting at me like, oh my God, Joe is so negative, or whatever the case may be. McAgnon's drafts haven't been that bad, and, and for me, I'm I'm as optimistic as, as anybody else, but I, I do think that there is some concern about the way that Mike McAgnon has built this team, because can you honestly argue that this team is better today than they were the day you fired John Idzik? Well, so for me, I, I think you've added Leo Williams and Jamal Adams, who are, I think are going to be two studs. And I mean, Leo's already a stud, and I think Jamal Adams will be. Um, and I think Adams is going to be fine. I, Devin Smith, obviously on IR, and you know he probably won't be here much longer. I think he got like cut to IR or whatever, um, so he won't be here much longer. Hackenberg, the odds are not in his favor. You know, to quote the lady from the Hunger Games, the odds aren't in his favor. So I don't, I don't, I think. I, I, there's a lot of bad in the, in the McCagnin tenure and none of the contracts, it's kind of interesting. None of the contracts he gave out, there's nobody left except for Buster Screen and James Carpenter. Those are the only two guys, the big free agent signings that are still left. And so that is concerning. And I think you have to be honest with yourself when you're grading McCagnin because there are some concerns just about how he's built this team in general. 
All right, so let, let's move over to talking about uh, the AFC. And we're going to kind of quickly rip through our, our current power rankings for the conference. I put this out in sight a couple uh, days ago. And Dio, I'm sure you'll have a couple disagreements with me at some point uh, through this list, <laughs> maybe being a little high, uh, higher on some teams or lower on some teams than I initially am. So I think we'll just, you know, we'll just start at the top and work our way down. Any disagreement at all that New England is the best team in this conference, if not the best team in the NFL? I say they're the best team in the NFL by a fairly substantial margin, which means that if they don't win the Super Bowl, they've completely choked. Because you look at this roster, they won the Super Bowl last year. Mm -hmm. They've added Stephon Gilmore. They've added David Harris. They added Brandon Cooks. They added Andre Hawkins. Uh, they added Coney Ealy. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody else that they've added because they kept so many they, good they, people. They they kept Malcolm Butler, right? Yeah. Like added Dwayne get, Allen at tight end. Added Dwayne Allen. They get Gronk back. They signed Rex Burkhead. They also Mike Gillisley. Um, Gillisley from from Buffalo. Yeah, it's a loaded team, man. And I'm with you. If they do not win the Super Bowl, it has to be it has to be considered an absolute failure. I think that for me, this is very similar. Now again. Had they lost to Atlanta and done this retooling, it would have been very similar to Golden State and what they did, you know, after Cleveland beat them, like just going out and getting, you know, arguably the second best player in the world. Um, I think that the Patriots, this is just my opinion. I think that one, yes, you're right. If they do not win it all, it's a choke. But two, I think this is Brady and Belichick's last year. I think that they are loading up for one more run. And they've added players that can help Jimmy Garoppolo as they transition to him and Josh McDaniels. So I think this could be it. Plus, Belichick is clearly modeling for GQ now <laughs> with, with, that, with that young woman on his side. Um, so, yeah, I think this could be it. I think this is the last run for them. But, yeah, it has to be. It's Super Bowl or bust for them. It can't be. They, they cannot. Honestly, I'm, I, I'm actually willing to go on them and say it's 16-0 and 0 or bust. If they lose a game, I think it's going to be the end of the world. That's it. There it is. And if they do lose games or they don't win the Super Bowl, you could point back to this Hollywood photo shoot that Belichick did today as the beginning of the end, where he finally he finally crossed over, stopped being uh, such a gritty, blue-collar, hard worker, just went up all Hollywood, and maybe that's the beginning of the end of the Patriots dynasty, even if they go 15-1 and and lose in the Super Bowl. So tough standards to live up to. Uh, my 2, 3, and 4, I have the Raiders at 2, the Texans at 3, and the Steelers at 4. Uh, I'll work backwards. The Steelers, as long as they have the big three, I think they're going to be in the discussion, in the playoffs, and a threat to get right back to the AFC Championship game. The problem is, is that they've never beat New England in a meaningful game. They've never even been competitive with New England in a meaningful game. Houston actually was kind of competitive against New England in the playoffs last year. They just had a flaming pile of trash at quarterback. They happened to go out and get my favorite quarterback prospect in the draft, Deshaun Watson. So looking right. forward to him playing with DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller and Lamar Miller, uh, along with that defense, which is the best defense in the uh, AFC, I would say. And then Oakland, uh, if that team has Derek Carr and has them healthy, gets Marshawn Lynch to now bring in late in the season as a weapon, added Jared Cook at tight end, uh, just a young ascending team. Th those are the, the other three teams who I think are sort of the main contenders to New England. What do you think about those three, Dio? Uh, I, so, yes, I agree with you that I think they're the three teams that 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 are probably going to give New England fits, I think. But I think Houston is two, um, just because I think Watson's going to start from day one, and I think him to him Hopkins, Fuller, Braxton Miller, C.J. Frederichitz, uh, really good offensive line, best defense in the AFC. Lamar Miller showed that he could be a feature back. I think they're going to be a really really tough out because Watson wins games. Um, my my only issue with Oakland and Kansas City, somebody has to win that god awful division. I would not surprise me 
if it's Denver. Um, and, and the reason why is because, one, obviously, like I said earlier, I'm very high on Paxton Lynch. I think Denver still has the best defensive player in football in Von Miller. I think it is still him. And I think that with Vance Joseph, who, again, didn't do a really, really – did not do a good job in Miami with that god-awful defense. But I think you put him around some talent like he had around Cincinnati, I think the defense will be fine. I think Lynch will be good. I think they still have enough weapons on the outside. Um, so I would I would put them maybe a little bit closer to Oakland than, than you had them. But I think you're right. I think those are the three teams, Houston, Kansas City, and Oakland. Kansas City worries me because I think if Pat Mahomes starts, I think you're going to have a lot of ebbs and flows. You're going to have a lot, of highs and, a lot of highs and a lot of lows. If Alex Smith starts, I think you know what you're going to get, but they're not going to beat New England with Alex Smith. So I think Houston is the biggest threat. Uh, next batch of teams I had, I had Kansas City at five, the Titans at six, Dolphins at seven, and Colts at eight. I do like what the Colts have been doing with Chris Ballard. They're finally starting to address some of the issues on their defense. Added Jabal Sheard and John Simon to their linebacker group, which would help. Love their first two draft picks with Malik Hooker and Quincy Wilson. So I think that defense will gradually start heading in the right direction. It's really just going to be about can they protect Andrew Luck. And if they can and Luck could stay healthy, they'll be competitive in that division. The Dolphins, I think the Dolphins are going to be around 500 again. I'm not sure I'm sold on them getting back into the playoffs. It really depends if they could fully take advantage of having the Bills and the Jets, who most think are two of the worst teams in the conference in their division. I don't think they're ready to really compete with New England yet. Uh, the Titans were really on the cusp of the playoffs last year. Did a really nice job building around Marcus Mariota this offseason. Got Corey Davis, obviously just added our... Our old friend Eric Decker liked the value they got with the Dory Jackson at cornerback to help boost their defense. Also drafted Taiwan Taylor at receiver as well. So I think, you know, that AFC South is going to be interesting to watch at the top between Houston, the Colts, and the Titans. And then the Chiefs, with who you talked about a little bit. I do think it will mostly be Alex Smith this year. Andy Reid's a great yep. regular season coach. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know what he's going to do in the playoffs, but I do think the Chiefs are at least going to be hovering around 500 this year. What do you think of that sort of next batch of teams? Yeah, and I mean, I completely glossed over Pittsburgh, who you mentioned in your top three, so I'm sorry about that. I, I Just real quick about Pittsburgh, I think they have the best trio in, in football with Ben, Brown, and Bell, um, but I do worry that Ben hasn't played a full season in a really, really long time, so I, that definitely concerns me. But the defense is a little bit better. With the, with the second tier you just mentioned, Indianapolis is a team that, again, I think I think Ballard has done a really good job of building that offensive line. And again, it started with Grixon taking Ryan Kelly uh, to play center, but then Ballard continued that work. They did. They do lose Dwayne Allen, right? But I'm of the belief that I mean, they lost Kobe Fleener and didn't really miss a beat at tight end because they had Allen. I think if Allen goes on, I think Luck is the kind of guy that will use his tight end, you know, as as well as anybody in this league. I think a lot of people, and I, I got into this back and forth with somebody the other day on Twitter who's compared Andrew Luck to Colin Kaepernick, and it blew my mind because I think there's this rush with these young quarterbacks in particular to just like if they. Andrew Luck was on an ascent for three years and then obviously had the shoulder injury. So he he kind of took a step back and he was banged up. The Colts were still pretty dangerous with him. And now here he is or whatever, his second year after the big contract. And there's this rush to say that he's not going to be good. He's going to flame out. No, I think Andrew Luck is still one of the top 10, 11 quarterbacks in this league. I think he's still very good. He's still very young also. And what the Colts get with him, they have a shot in every game because of the quarterback position, because of the way that he plays. I also think that the defense... Honestly, adding Malik Hooker, you added Quincy Wilson to Vontae Davis. You then got some pass rushers on that defense. That defense should be better. So I think I, I yeah, I expect the Colts to kind of be in it. Tennessee's a really good, a really good sleeper pick, I think, because with with Decker and Corey Davis and Delaney Walker and Derrick Henry and uh, Demarco Murray and that offensive line with Marcus Mariota, there should be no 
no excuses for that offense. That offense should produce points. Um, so I'd watch out for Tennessee, but I really still think that the Colts have – the Colts are probably the biggest threat to Houston in that division, in my opinion. All right, next batch of teams. I had the Broncos at 9, the Bengals at 10, the Ravens at 11, and the Chargers at 12 with the Broncos. I'm just not sold on the quarterback position yet. Uh, it was really staggering how inefficient they were on offense last year, and I'm not sure if Simeon uh, is ever going to change or progress to change that. I, Paxton Lynch struggled a lot last year. You have to think they want him to win the job this, this year, but he remains a big question mark. Uh, the Bengals have definitely improved the talent around Andy Dalton with John Ross and Joe Mixon with those first two rounds of the draft, and I admit this might be a little low for them. I mean, that was a team that had been in the playoffs consistently, but you know, it's, a, it's a tough division, obviously, when you're going head-to-head with the Steelers and Ravens uh, week to week. The Ravens have you know, really struggled since they made that Super Bowl run and did not do all that much this offseason outside of recently adding Jeremy Macklin. Uh, to boost a team around Joe Flacco, who's been pretty mediocre, really been worse than even Andy Dalton over the past few years and has struggled a lot. So I don't know if teams like the Bengals and the Ravens and Broncos, who are normally right up in that playoff discussion, are going to jump over teams like the Titans and the Chiefs and even to a lesser extent the Dolphins or Colts this year. It's going to be interesting to see how competitive that batch could be with the Chargers it's mostly out of a concern of Philip Rivers, who really showed some signs of decline in the back half of last year. They have a great collection mm-hmm. uh, of young offensive talent with Hunter Henry, Keenan Allen, if he's healthy, uh, Mike Williams, Tyrell Williams, Mel- Melvin Gordon, if he's healthy. Obviously, they have Bosa and Melvin Ingram on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, just it's a tough division, and if Rivers is not himself or the guy that he normally is, things could get ugly fast for them. So what do you think of that batch before we get into the uh, base, the projected basement dwellers? <laughs> well, I'm, I, I already told you, man, the Jets are winning the division, so we should be a little higher. I just realized I didn't call you on that, but it's fine. No, I, San Diego, you nailed it, man. It's it's just a lot of in, it's a lot of what ifs. It's what if Philip Rivers bounces back? What if Melvin Gordon is healthy? What if Keenan Allen's fully recovered from losing a was it a kidney or something like that? Like whatever it was that happened to him. I think that San Diego is an interesting team because San Diego, I think, will be picked by a lot of teams, by a lot of prognostic prognosticators to make the playoffs or even compete in that division. I think Miami is a prime team to take a step back. I think that they are very similar to the Jets of 2015. I think they they won they won the turnover battle. They relied on the running game. They didn't allow their quarterback to mess it up. And then Tannehill gets hurt. They go to Matt Moore, and then they get housed by Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Um, I think Miami takes a step back. I don't think Miami is going to be that good this year. Um, I think that you mentioned Baltimore, and I think – I do. Lo- I really like the Jeremy Macklin signing in Baltimore. I would have liked it if they would have signed Macklin and Decker because I think they would have played well off of each other. But clearly, they're content with running out Macklin and and you know a collection of their young receivers and the one of the five tight ends that they have. Um, Baltimore is again a team that they're they're always well coached. Harbaugh does an excellent job with them. But you're right. You wonder if all those deep playoff runs have now taken a toll on that team. Like they they don't have. They, they lack explosion. They do not have explosive athletes at any position, and they, they're a team that could be picking in the top five next year. All right, final four. Uh, the teams that I have rounding it out are the Buffalo Bills at 13, the Jags at 14, our New York Jets at 15, and the Browns at 16. Looking for a little optimism on the Jets' schedule. The Jets do play the 16th team, the 14th team, and the 13th ranked team twice uh, this upcoming season. Obviously, the Jets have plenty to prove across the board as we've talked about ad nauseum here i still have them ahead of the browns because i don't know out of that the kaiser 
Brock Osweiler, Cody Kessler batch is going to end up playing quarterback. The Jaguars have Blake Bortles, and Blake Bortles is just awful. Uh, and the Bills, I just think it's a competitive conference, and they are thin on skill position players. They let Gillisley walk. McCoy's always good to miss a few games a year. Watkins, you know, is going to probably miss half the season. After that, I don't know how much talent they have. Uh, they do feel like kind of a 5-11 and or 6-10 and team this year. How do you feel about, about, about those final four teams, Dio? Uh, Jets should be 10 and six and the biggest threat to new England, this side of any other team. Uh, I'll keep saying that until it happens. Um, no, I think Buffalo, Buffalo worries me. I like, I, I like Tyrod Taylor. I like Sammy Watkins. I don't know that I like McDermott as their head coach. Um, and I, I just, I didn't really like their draft that, that as well, as much as like other people did. Um, so yeah, I think Buffalo is one of those teams that should be in the mix. I think the Jets realistically, you know, all jokes aside are probably going to be really bad. Um, I think Cleveland is going to be really bad. I, I think Cleveland had a really nice draft, um, adding Peppers and Juku and, uh, and Kaiser, I, I, I thought that was, I, and obviously Garrett, I thought that, that those are really, those, those are four top premium picks and they got them in the top 32, 33. Um, so I think those are solid picks. I think that you, I think that they're still a couple years away though, because the, the infrastructure of that team, Hugh Jackson has done really well to kind of purge a lot of the bad of that team, but they're still going to need a couple years to build it up. Um, it's really interesting though, when you think about it, and this kind of shows you the imbalance between the AFC and the NFC. And granted, the AFC has done really well against the NFC record-wise over the last about six or seven years. But realistically, the bottom, the, the top five pick, the top five teams picking next year in the, in the draft, four of them might come from the AFC, and that's kind of scary. All right, there's your AFC. Before we wrap, I want to give some quick potential fantasy football recommendations for your New York Jets this year. I recently just wrote this article up on the site. Unsurprisingly, the top two guys listed, Quincy Inouye, Bilal Powell. Inouye, a little over 800 yards, four touchdowns last year, is going to be the top target from the get-go this season. I do think he's a guy who probably will crack 1,000 yards and could be in that 7-8 touchdown range if the Jets are using him properly. So he is not obviously a named guy. He could be someone you could grab one of those middle or late rounds. And Powell uh, is really someone who I think, particularly if you're in a PPR league, that could have terrific value just because he had 58 catches last season despite not even really being used properly by the team all year. There were only four games that Bilal Powell got more than eight carries last season, and they were the last four games of the season. And his stat line went 29 carries, 145 yards, two touchdowns, five catches, 34 yards, 16 carries, 84 yards, 11 receptions, 78 yards, 15 carries, 60 yards, two receptions, 14 yards, and then closed with 22 carries for 122 yards, three receptions, 15 yards, and a touchdown. So when the Jets did decide to use him, Powell produced. And you know he is a guy, You know this is a team that will probably be playing some catch-up. Great check-down option. Easily could be the kind of guy who racks up five, six, seven catches in a lot of games. And we know he has the ability uh, to make the big play if he's getting enough touches. Really outside of them, some other potential guys to keep an eye on would be Matt Forte, if the Jets are still going to use him predominantly around the goal line. He did have eight touchdowns last year, despite despite plotting like Sean Green most of the season. And then Robbie Anderson would probably be the Jets, the next receiver in line after Nuwa to get the next batch of targets. And he obviously is a potential big play threat. And if the Jets are playing from behind, uh, he could be open for some big plays down the field or some garbage time stats. Uh, the Flyers that I listed out, Austin Safarian Jenkins, we need to see how involved ultimately he's going to be. But from the spring football, it sounds like 
his head's on straight, and we do keep hearing how the Jets are going to integrate the tight ends a little more. Uh, and then I have the three rookies, Ardarius Stewart, Chad Hansen, and Elijah McGuire. Dio, who sort of jumps off the page to you, who could be sort of a sleeper or some value for somebody who is looking to the Jets uh, for some fantasy football options? Oh, man. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, when you said that we were going to discuss this, I was like, other than really Anua and maybe Hansen, just because I, I think somebody has to get the targets. This team isn't going to drop back and just run the ball 60 times, right, and let Hackenberg throw it 12 to 15. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to throw the ball. I think they're going to spread it out. But somebody has to – Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall had, if I'm not mistaken, if my math is right, like a hun- like 195 targets. Somebody has to get those targets. And while obviously Anua will be the first beneficiary, somebody else has to get them too. And so I'd watch out for Hanson. I know a lot of people are talking up the axe man, and, and I get it. I, I understand why. I do think that – Stewart may fill a role that where he's kind of used in many different ways. Whereas on the outside, Hanson has a chance to win a lot of matchups just because of his size and his speed. So he's a guy that I would watch out for. I think that, um, like you mentioned, Austin Safarian Jenkins, I think has a shot just because of obviously he's turned his life around. And if the Jets are really going to incorporate the tight end, then he will become Christian Hackenberg's best friend. So I would watch out for him. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit more bullish on Elijah McGuire. I think he's going to end up being the starter anyway. So I would go and get him. If you're in an IDP league, I'd absolutely scoop up Jamal Adams or Morris Claiborne. I think Claiborne is a is a tricky play because he might get hurt. But if he doesn't, I think he showed last year that he can still play in this league. And I think he's gonna he's gonna do really really well in this system. And I think Leonard Williams, a lot of people were in your mentions today talking about, oh, he's, he's a 15-sack guy or whatever. I don't think that's him. But in terms of stopping the run and getting to the passer, this may be the year that he gets the double-digit sack. So those, are, those would be the two names, the three names on the defense that I'd watch out if you do an IDP league. All right, everybody, we are going to wrap now. I want to remind you to follow Dolben on Twitter at DA underscore Sario. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at J Caparoso. Make sure to check out our gear at theloyalist.com backslash turn on the Jets. We got the I was always right about Hackenberg shirt live. We have the classic give the ball to a new on Powell live. We got the at least we're not Buffalo shirt live. Uh, we got the tank tank live and the tank tee if you're not looking to wear a tank. But check out the store. Get some gear for the summer before the season starts. Obviously, check out all our writing at turnonthejets.com. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes. Make sure to leave a review. If you leave a review and tweet it over to us, the next, I believe we're at, we got about six or seven, the next 10 people who do that along with them will be eligible to win a free, free shirt of your choice from the store. So make sure to do that. And of course, make sure to enjoy your 4th of July weekend coming up. Stay safe. Don't play with fireworks. Keep it, keep it safe. Drink and stay away from the fireworks. Any final, any final words, Dio? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, happy early Independence Day. Thank you to all the brave men and women who fight for our freedoms every day. You are appreciated not only on the 4th of July, but every day. Um, and also the person who finds me and my guy Jude in Buffalo with a, at least we're not Buffalo TOJ shirt. I have you with a full cup of Johnny Walker. So <laughs> please find me. Buy the shirt and find me. And you will find me week one at the new era stadium aka not the ralph anymore i'll probably be with like some cool white bartending chick and we will have johnny walker so let's make it happen <laughs> uh, do and a cool white bartending chick what else could you ask for we going to the that's NFL right season all right everybody right. enjoy your holiday we'll be back next week thank you for listening